0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio and it has been a crazy long time since I've talked to everybody. The new year is upon us and everybody's Sadly, well into the new year. I know that uh uh twenty twenty has just like kicked us all in the face already. Um and then here we are already the third second full week of January. So how about that? You know, who knew who knew? Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the last letter. That's been written by... Oh, I should back up. Shout out to Rebecca Yaros, who was a guest on our show a couple months ago. Her new book, The Last Letter, came out on the 6th. And Nagin Poppin, who has also also come and talked to us um, here on Readers Entertainment Radio. Her three-book set just came out this month, so go check those out, and you will be very happy that you did. Also, we have today a fabulous fabulous author named jc ellis and she has three loves her husband and two turtles and i i'm going to ask her here in just a second about those turtles um and her husband hubby is fabulous and loves her back but she's not too sure about the turtles turtles are not very good at being emotional um, and she is here today to talk about her newest book it is called jeremiah so welcome to the show miss jc ellis how are you today i'm doing very well how are you I'm good. So you're over on the East Coast, and I'm in the Central yes. um, uh, part of the United States. Um, what's the weather go- doing for you today?
1: It is surprisingly nice looking right now. Um, I've been told that it's a little cold, but since I work from home, I've had the privilege of not actually stepping outside today. <laughs> yes.
0: I know. There's some, I, I, I love those days where it's like jammy day all day. It's just, I, right. I love those days. Which is, you know, that's that's work wear. Right, right, I'm still in my pajamas, I'm still in my robe. (laughs) I love it. So let's start with, um, I have to ask you because my son is going to ask me about this. Um, What what kind of turtles do you have? What kind of turtles? Obviously, I have a dog because she's just now barking. (laughs) She's just decided that now is the perfect time to say something, um, now that well, she's been quiet for 30 minutes.
1: <laughs> well, that's because she knows she's on the phone with a dog lover, and so I'm like, hi, doggy, we love you. <laughs> um, I, I have an eastern box turtle and an American woods turtle, and so they are both box okay. turtles. They're actually both fairly
0: small. They weigh around a pound each. Okay. So tiny, they could fit in your hands. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Okay. Um, and if they're in a good mood, they
1: might stay in your hands, but no, they like to be down. They like to crawl around. They like to do whatever it is they want to do.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, turtles are fun. My son, we call him the turtle because he's just kind of slow and steady. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's very methodical uh, of how he does yes. things. So he's... Um, yeah, you know, and he and we've been to um down in South Padre here in Texas. We've been to a couple of ter- hatchling releases. Um yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you know, you've got to get up at O'Dark 30 to go. Mm-hmm. Um yes. and it really is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's really is beautiful to see, but sadly, they'll release these little hatchlings and you know, and you make a big U so you're all watching them. You can't of course touch them and then you're trying, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that the birds come and mm-hmm. um, Sadly, some of those some some hatchlings just don't realize that they're supposed to move to the water. Aww. So they Aww. just kind of sit there, and you're thinking, "Yeah, this is why you're having trouble with your numbers." <laughs> like, yes. let's get in the water now. So, you know, you yes. ha- the the um, people who volunteer will, you know, they've got their methods, but you know, obviously, you can't go out and put them in the water. So, <laughs> right, um, right, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so those are the Kemp Ridley turtles that they've they work with, and um, so it's been a fun fun thing to see. But so we've got our it turtles like covered. It. Yes, yes. Um,
1: and they're both brooding so right now, so
0: they are, oh. they're not
1: out. to, yeah, they they don't want to be bothered right now. So That's right.
0: So. How do you know the difference? In, I mean, I know every species is different with, like, you know, the bigger turtles. The tails are different or what have you for the right. males versus females. Is it similar for the your turtles? Yeah,
1: they're I, they're both females. Um, they both laid eggs on me. And so, you know, I was minding my oh, wow. own business, and the next thing you know, I've got eggs in their cages. And I'm like, oh, well, okay then. Now I know what I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but typically... Okay. What the doctors have told me um, is that male uh, turtles tend to have significantly longer tails than the female turtles do. And so both okay. of my turtles have very, very, very short tails. And so the doctors are the ones who are like, Yeah, pretty certain that these are females, you know, let's see if they lay eggs and so they they have. And that's it and it's it's so sad because they're unfertilized eggs. And so I have to right. get rid of them. And then the turtles are like so devastated. They're like trying to like hover over them and like burrow them and then I have to get rid of them and I hate it. <laughs>
0: Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. We my husband, when we first met, he had a cockatiel and I okay. didn't realize this, but for certain cock well, cockatiels specifically, the little, you know, yellow and grey ones. Um mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. so similar that a lot of times you you can't tell if they're male or female do you unless you do um blood tests. And so oh, okay. but apparently the birds can't tell either. So oh, no. you'll get a lot of <laughs> varieties of pairings of the birds because they don't know if you know they're male or female which I thought yeah it really is you know I thought oh wow okay yeah yeah
1: so there's a whole species
0: like hey I dig you let's hang out
1: (laughs) you know honestly we might be better off if we all kind of just did that but but that is that is my new knowledge for the day. I did not know that.
0: I'm I'm here for that. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's it's crazy pants. So, but so yeah. let's back up because now we talk turtles and birds. Um, right. So let's talk about <laughs> your, your, your writing and your story. So tell me, I mean, as a kid, were you a big reader or did that, was that something that came later? I have always been a
1: big reader. I am an only child,
0: and on my dad's
1: side of the family, which is um, where we grew up near, I'm actually the only grandchild. I have no uh, other cousins that are around me either. So I grew up with the closest family member being 18 years older than me, and so I was always in my own little world
0: buried in a book. Oh, wow. So tell me some of those early childhood stories that you love to read
1: so i was a huge fan of the chronicles of narnia i completely missed uh-huh. all of the religious subtexts of it so there's that <laughs> um, i right. i've always i've always been a series reader so sweet valley high and the babysitters club and all of the nancy drews never got into the hardy boys but i loved some nancy drews and so and i i was just a series girl like i would buy them all the minute they came out my mom would take me to uh-huh. walden books and yes. I would buy like four at a time and I'd read them all that same day and then I'd read them, and then I'd reread the series from start to finish until it was time to go back the next month and get the next one.
0: Right. And sadly, we yeah. lived at such a tumultuous time that we had to actually wait for books to come out like a year. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I cannot how did we survive? I really yeah. don't know. And you know, I know, you talk about Walden's books. I used to love, um, you know, walking around the mall, and you would always have yeah. the bookstore because it was usually close mm-hmm. to like Wicks and Sticks, it was like a candle store. Yeah. Um, and then you also had, there was a place called Bookstop. Did they have that oh, where I you lived? That. I, not that
1: I remember. Okay. Because it was B.
0: Dalton I, I, Walden's books. Yeah, and then yeah, you I had. definitely had yeah. those too. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then, of yeah. course, the library.
1: You know, I oh. never, I was never a library girl because that whole returning the books and not being able to, able to keep them did not sit well with me. Um, so <laughs> I have a huge respect for the library growing up, but I am positive unless the Oakland Public Library has gotten rid of its fines, I am positive
0: I've got thirty euro fines there. <laughs> You might, there might be, you never know. But, um, you know I need
1: to go to I, the table's office I do, but I hated returning books.
0: I know, it, yeah. And, yeah, and a lot of times it was just one of those things that she just found, you know, that was kind of the, yeah. like the treasure hunt, you know, wandering through the absolutely. bookstore. Yes, Um absolutely. And so you've got all, you know, you've read Nancy Drew, and, and so mm. you're going through school, and was becoming a writer something that came you know, early, middle, late? I mean, when, when did it hit you that, you know, this might be something I want to do?
1: So I always wanted to be a writer. And okay. then I, I decided
0: that I needed to get a
1: job that made real money. Um, uh-huh. And then I decided I wanted to be a paralegal because I really like office supplies, which works with being a writer nice. and post-it notes. Um, and then my mother was like, why would you want to be a paralegal? And I was like, because I don't want to do the work of being an attorney. And now that I've been an attorney for almost 15 years, I was right to want to be a paralegal. But... (laughs) <laughs> kind of too late for that part now. Um, so, but I always—it it was my first love, was always to be a writer. And then, you know, I got into—I decided it wasn't something that was feasible in the quote-unquote real world. And, you know, I decided right. to like the tender age of seven, or so, and sure, kind of abandoned uh, that goal. And then was fortunate enough to be able to pick it back up in my mid-thirties. So.
0: Yep. Oh, wow. So, I mean, Um, my mom always wanted to be in law because um, she loved Perry Mason, but she loved um, the show. But she loved – is it Della? Was it – that was his assistant? Oh, yes, yes,
1: yes. Della Street, yes. She wanted to
0: be Della. You know, she wanted to be Della. She wanted to be Perry Mason because she's like, she had everything done. I mean, she was the reason he was successful. So – so was and there somebody in your life like that?
1: Out there, yeah, uh, just uh-huh. just to say, on behalf of all paralegals out there, we thank you. You guys are the reason we get anything done. Blessings upon you. Um, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, paralegals and legal secretaries keep the profession going. Um, mm-hmm. So was there anyone who was like that? You know, it's my mother, you know, was like that. My mother had grown up. She'd always. Um, She was a dental hygienist. You know, she just recently retired from actively practicing, well, maybe just a couple of years ago now. And when I would talk to her boss for the longest time, he said, we'd make no money if it weren't for the people who did the everyday, day-to-day work, you know.
0: Right. And
1: there was that and then, you know, my grandmother was a nurse and she was very much of the doctors would not survive if not for the nurses and yep, that was that was true too. So I grew up around these very highly educated women who didn't want the spotlight and didn't necessarily need the top role, but were very confident and comfortable in knowing that the big guys, people who got the name brand recognition and whatnot, would be Nothing would not be able to survive if not for the work that they put
0: in. That was kind of a core
1: tenant of my upbringing.
0: I love it. Yeah, I was a I was a nurse for a decade, so I totally yeah I totally get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because yeah. my mom came home one time. She's a legal secretary, and she um oh, yeah. she looked at me and she was saying, "Do you know how frustrating it is to do most of the work and get you know not." <laughs> Not the Mm -hmm. payment. I went. No, mom. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she went. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah. But you're (laughs) right. There's there's a certain level. The training's different. So, like, you you know, you've talked about paralegal versus attorney. You know, I can talk about nurse versus doctor. But the training is different, and the focus is is different. So, you bring a different. You bring a different uh, set of skills to the table, for sure. But, yeah, yeah you're right. You yeah. Know, it's it's uh, the everyday work. You're right. Um, absolutely. And so you, now you've, sure. you've, you've cruised along through law school. Not cruised, but you know what I mean. You, <laughs> yeah, you've finished absolutely. law school. You're practicing. And then you say, you know what, I want to go back, like you were saying in your 30s. I want to go back. I want to be a writer. What was the catalyst for that?
1: Well, you know, it started with the reading again. Um, okay. I had stopped reading for pleasure probably when I got to college. And so, you know, everything, I was an English and a politics major, so I was always reading upon reading, and I didn't sure. give myself time to do anything else. And when I was practicing law, both of our paralegals were avid readers, just absolutely before they got to work, they would get there early to read, they would read their entire lunch break, you know, every chance they could get they could read and that was just very inspiring to me to see them so dedicated to right the cause of reading and so I decided when I finally got my first iPad probably uh, early 2010 2011 maybe I'm going to start reading again and okay I did and one of the books I read was a kind of novella by Sandrine Gask Dixon, I believe her name was. She passed away okay. a couple of years ago, I believe. And it was called A Bedding of Man. And okay. it sparked a story in my head that I still haven't written, but it sparked a story in my head that I promptly tossed to the side because when am I ever going to have time to write a story? I'm a full-fledged You know, attorney doing who's a what's it. And right, but it it wouldn't go away. The story wouldn't go away. And finally, I'm at a point in my life where I'm thinking I'm seriously overwhelmed. I need to kind of take a step back, be reflective. And I'm answering, you know, a sheet of questions or whatever. And one of them is if there's one thing you could do right now without thinking about it, what would you want to do? And it would, and my answer was write a story. And I was okay. like, well, heck. <laughs> and I, you know, I, the story's been in my head for like nine months, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, for Christ's sake, I'll write, I'll write it then. <laughs> and then probably <laughs> realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> okay. So, right, so yeah. So I haven't read it, so
0: I haven't written it,
1: but the story has, that's kind of what sparked writing again for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's fun because, he, I've talked to a lot of authors, and they'll say, oh, I read a book, and it was terrible. I read a book, it was wonderful. I read a book, you know, I just started reading again. I mean, it's like this this theme of the reading, you know, mm-hmm. going back, doing yeah. something that that you love. Um, and yeah. and I think that we all do that with the, um, you know, we go to school, or we have ki- go to school and have kids, or whatever, and then we, or whatever in life happens, and then we go back to that first love, which is reading. Yes. Yeah. And Absolutely, it's just so incredibly inspiring. And so you've written yes. three books, but your most recent book um, yeah. is Jeremiah, yeah.
1: um, and
0: mm-hmm. it is an interracial gay romance mm-hmm. um, about a young man who's in his thirties um, yeah. who's never necessarily hidden who he is, but he's never actually totally come out either. So Correct. why why this story? You know.
1: I think I was talking to a couple of friends of mine at the time, and we they were discussing how coming out is really a never-ending process, and okay. that it's something that, in our very heterosexual society, is something that people don't think about. How you have mm-hmm. to do it over and over and over again, and you have to change the ways you, you come out depending on what group of people you're around, how you think they might respond, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I was just thinking, that's got to be exhausting, you know. What happens right. if you just don't want to? If you just you just want to be able to do what you get to see everyone else <laughs> do, which is just show up with somebody and it be a non-issue. And that right. was kind of the genesis for who Jeremiah was. Now, mind you. At this time when I started Jeremiah, I hadn't come out either. Okay. So I didn't right. realize how much of this was actually really, really subtextual about my own sexuality. You know? Um and so and my and I was engaged, I was about to be married and it was my husband who literally sometime last year was like, If you call yourself straight one more time, I'm gonna hit you like, what is wrong with you? You're not you never had right. been. Why do you keep saying this? And a lot of it had to do with my own upbringing. Um, and so sure, I was like, oh wow, that's that's really true. I'm not Emma. He was like, "Girl, no, I've known you for 18 years. No, baby, never have
0: <laughs> Like, oh, right.
1: Okay. But and and so and and I think
0: subconsciously,
1: a lot of talking about that with Jeremiah was me kind of dealing with it for myself as well.
0: Right. And and yeah. to be clear for people who are listening, you've come out as pansexual. That's correct. 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 Okay. And so this was when she when you're talking about your husband, it's people are like, but you've come out. It's like, yeah, but there's there's a lot of layers, and it's not as simple as you know gay or lesbian and you know we you, know, you can take a psychology class and do the bell curve and it's like where does everybody fall and everybody's always you know who's not really in tune it's like oh no i'm all the way on that side you know for straight Correct. versus gay it's like meh, everybody kind of falls around the metal bell of the shape um yeah so and so when you're talking about Um, People, and to clarify for anyone who's listening, um, LGBTQ would be lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer. Um, And then there's other terms, pansexual, cis, and all that. Where did you, when you were going through all this, where did you reach out for really reliable, productive, and positive resources for someone who either is, trying to figure out who they are or who's mm-hmm. trying to be an ally or who's trying to understand what's going on.
1: You know, I am one of the people, I was very, very fortunate in that one of the stories you'll often hear about people, especially um, about people who come out younger is that they had this group of friends in high school that all turned out to be queer later on mm-hmm. and nobody really talked about it at that time. I grew up and hung out with a lot of people in college and law school who were much more open about it. And so I was able to turn to my friends. You know, um, some of my closest friends are lesbian or are gay. And so when I realized, oh, this is not, I'm not as straight as I always told myself, you know, one Mm -hmm. of my friends was like, honey, we know this. You know, there's a reason (laughs) we've called you bent." since 2002 well okay but it was nice to kind of have so for me I was fortunate that I didn't really have to go out because you know I went to a very very progressive small liberal arts college in Ohio um, where a huge chunk percentage of the population is LGBTQ Um, and then the people that I gravitated towards in law school, happened to also be lesbians, uh, primarily, and so I was lucky that I was able to just turn to family, and they were already there. Their arms had already been open to me. Okay. So okay, I was fortunate in that regard. Um, we uh, do do a lot, and I also came out right before Pride, like really, like the weekends before. And if there's any time that's great for it, it's then. Uh, so. I got lucky in that regard. Um, I do a lot of donating to Lambda Literary uh, because okay. I want, you know, the voices of people who are queer, you know, to get more focus, to get more spotlight, and to help those who are unfortunately in situations where they're, they aren't allowed to be open or they aren't allowed to have those same level of experiences that I've been fortunate enough to have.
0: So when you're talking about your character and, and why uh uh-huh. why make him why make him a him, why not a, a woman? You I mean what what made you want to write from his point of view versus a woman's point of view?
1: You know, I think I I'd always been drawn to male male romance. Originally I was telling a friend this, I said, I was under the remarkably naive impression that you didn't have a lot of the same gender dynamic issues that you had with male female romance. <laughs>
0: fair
1: (laughs) I was so young Um, and by that I mean like four years ago I was so young right and so sometimes all mental
0: you know (laughs) yes I'm
1: telling you um and so that was kind of why I was kind of originally drawn to male male and female female just wasn't in abundance uh the way it is now you know you had those authors that I loved like um Melissa Braden and whatnot but a lot of the female-female um, or oh, uh, WLW, which for those who aren't familiar is women-loving women, were okay. much older. And um, as as my friend who gave them to me said, a, a little bit rougher around the edges. It wasn't a romance per se. It kind of veered more toward erotica, which wasn't what I was okay. it, And where male-male was kind of schmoopy. And they were kind of like softer and in love. And, you know, there were a whole bunch of internalized issues within the book, but they felt more like romances to me. And that's kind of why I was gravitated toward M.M. And then also, I was, I started writing Jeremiah a couple of months before I was married. And I looked at my husband and said, I'm going to write you a love letter. And it's going to be oh. in the form of a book. And so okay. there is a lot of my husband in Jeremiah. <laughs> and so oh, wow. Jeremiah is kind of the first of my very long, because apparently I have a lot to say, love letter yeah. to my husband. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's so sweet. It's Has he read the book?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, that is
1: an excellent question. Um, my husband's in the medical field, so all of the medical – things particular in Jeremiah, he's read those things for accuracy for me. Uh he okay. bought the book and I'm like, dude, really? You know I can give you the book. <laughs> no, no, no. So right. He the, <laughs> so he bought the book. Um, so whether or not he's actually sat down and read it, I do not know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I get you. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Um it's <laughs> like I I had a book I released see I it was like four years ago and my husband just like two months ago said, well, I read the book and I'm like, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's only been there for four years. Um, right. Right. And, and there's always, yeah, there's always a discussion because we, you know, we have four kids and we're always juggling stuff. And he, oh, yeah. and he says, I don't know how you wrote this. Cause I keep getting interrupted reading it. And I'm thinking, yeah. Oh, well that was a lovely thing to say because yes, yeah. I'm busy. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's, uh, It's interesting how we weave our own personal narrative into our characters. Yes. And so to hear you say you wrote this love letter.
1: Yeah. Right. You know, like. Right. I I, I did not, you know, when I was rereading it. And mind you, I have not read the book since I was doing the proofreads. You know, I forced myself to sit down and listen to it from start to bottom during the proofreads. And I tried to pick it up prior to today. And I found the word chuckle twice on one Amazon location and had to close it immediately. Like I was like, oh, no. like I could not I could not. And so it's gotten, you know, very positive reviews and people seem to like it and I'm just so thrilled and awed by that, but I cannot read it yet. Um, right. But, you know, when I was doing my last read through I was like, There might be a little more of me and Colin than I anticipated that's mm-hmm. fascinating
0: <laughs> no yeah idea. Oops, oops yeah it's it's always very interesting how it's woven and and yes. yeah you're right i mean sometimes yeah. we just put stuff in there we don't realize and this yep. is a release by karina press correct yes yes so it's only in digital for now
1: correct it's only in digital for now um i'm Hoping they consider doing a, a small print run um, because my my mother who has keeps saying she's going to read it and I keep trying to convince her not to. Um, but she only <laughs> wants things. Just saying, but she only really wants things in print format. So
0: right, it right. would be
1: awesome if they do um, decide to do other uh, other uh, versions of it. Yeah, you know, in the future, other formats. But as of this moment. It is print only, or
0: ebook only. I mean, ebook only. And so yes. when you got, so I know a lot of people don't realize this, and I and I know um, a lot of people think that authors have a whole lot of say when it comes to their covers. And oh, to be gosh. honest, we really don't have any. Um, down, very little. Mm-hmm. But you have to have. You had to have liked this cover because I loved it. Man, I love. <laughs>
1: I, you know, one of the things I was really grateful for about Karina, and they've been amazing through this whole process, but one of the things I really, really liked was that they didn't shy away from putting a black man on the cover. Now, obviously, yeah. Jeremiah is a black man, but, and, you know, there's been so much discussion in the recent years about um, yeah. the willingness sometimes to read covers with black characters on them Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. are cartoons. And, you know, Adriana Herrera, her American Dreamer series had, you know, just come out before I got the contract and I'd seen how willing they were to put people of color on her covers. And so I was Mm -hmm. really excited. There were literally next to no changes that were made from the original cover they sent me to the final one. You know, I was like, they sent it and I was like, and we're done here. Like I am. Yeah. To go. Right. So it was, they did a bang up job. It's amazing. Mm,
0: They did. And the author, if you didn't catch that, the author that, um, or whoever's listening, the author that Mm -hmm. um, JC mentioned is Adriana Herrera and she has the American dreamer series. And so there's four books in that series and Beautiful covers. Um, yes. So for sure, she's got the fourth book coming out uh, later this year, I believe, uh, yes, March this 30th. Year yes. Or, yes. Yes.
1: So yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just yeah. be ready because you're going to be reading yeah. a lot of books um, this year. Books. And so of one of the things I wanted to kind of swing back to was your comment mm-hmm. about, um, you know, coming out is, is a, a repeated thing. And I yeah. it really struck me because... My oldest is um, a a musician, and she plays oboe. And we went to her private lesson a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And her teacher, this lovely gentleman, uh, he was talking to us, and uh, he has a circular driveway. And so he Mm -hmm. stood there as we were finishing, and he said, um, our first lesson, he said, would you please not park in the driveway? Because, Mm -hmm. And you could see this pause, and you could see him searching for the right words. And he's yeah. like, because my my partner sometimes needs to leave and during a lesson and I, you would have to, you would block him in because they have some cars mm-hmm. in the driveway that they're working on. And I said, oh yeah, sure, no problem. I'm happy to. And I, I told my daughter, I said, did you see what he did? And mm-hmm. she yeah. said, no. And I said, he paused before saying yeah. who his husband was. And right. she's like, oh, I didn't even notice. And I said... Can you imagine doing that every single time you have a new student? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing that people have to keep explaining. Yeah. Um, and that's just to and, me, I'm just like, man, you know, that's a lot. And, and
1: to and to never be fully sure what the reaction is going to be. You know, right. most parents will be like, you will take it perfectly well and won't think twice about it, you know, you'll have those people who will say, well, what do you mean by partner? Do you work with someone here? You know, because with Jeremiah, I remember during edits having to remove the word partner when talking about uh-huh. Will, who was his work partner, right? <laughs> like, that's his, the right. other guy in the ambulance with him, but having to remove that phrase because... This is a gay romance, and we didn't want to give the impression that will was the love interest, you know. So people not necessarily clicking on immediately to what partner means and then having to explain more. And then you've got people who are going to have, you know, that twinge of disgust. Their nose will crinkle up. They'll look at you a certain way. They'll decide you know, later on, that maybe their child isn't the right fit for you, and it's nothing personal. You know, we just decided to go somewhere else. And kind of right. having to have that apprehension of what's going to happen when they know every single time, every interaction. It's just, it's draining to even think about it, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And so, and and yeah. so
0: yeah. with with that being said. And, you know, you cover some of this in in Jeremiah, but Mm -hmm. uh, what is, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, have family members, have friends that are part of the LGBTQ community. Some may not even know that, you know, who they are at at this point. Um, But how do people, first, the positive ways to become a stronger ally? I mean, what are the best ways to do this? for so, someone who is really just maybe navigating very new waters.
1: You know, I think, and obviously I'm certainly not an expert, so take what works, ignore what doesn't. One of the things that, right. I, that I've that thought and that I've seen a lot on social media when people are talking about this is to not automatically jump to, oh, I know, or oh, who cares, to acknowledge, okay how much it takes for someone to trust you to say it, okay? Because it is a leap of faith that you're not going to reject them or dismiss them when they tell you. So even if you did know, you know, even if this is absolutely not news uh, to you and You know, it wasn't new to my friends, but I came out at 39, you know. You're talking about significantly younger people to really acknowledge that they trusted you enough to do that and to not be dismissive of them, you know. And then sometimes just to ask them what they need from you, okay, and to be there as a shoulder if they don't have an answer because sometimes they don't know what they need. They just need someone there. They just need someone to be a resource to them. You know, to respect them, um, to not, you know, tell friends and family or, you know, whatever members if they're not comfortable having to come out again to another segment of society, but just to really be that friend that they need and to know that you're a vault, you know, that you're not going to use it against them, you're not going to blackmail them, you're not going to tell somebody else, and to really keep it tight because. You don't want it to flip either because even if it's inadvertent, the ramifications, the repercussions for that person can really be astronomical, you know. Sure. You have to just really keep that in mind. And I'm sure there are plenty of better resources than me. Um, Like I said, my husband was the one who confronted me, so I kind of had a built-in resource. About it, sure. And my, and I'll tell you, and I'm not out to my parents either. Uh, and my husband's actual response to me was, "What are they going to do? Disown you? You are the only child. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I've got you. Mm-hmm. You know." And thankfully, my my uncle was gay, and my grandmother um, would not allow any of that foolishness in her household. So I'm not as concerned, but also. I don't I I'm forty and I don't want to have that conversation with my mother, you know? Right. Imagine how a fourteen year old feels if my forty year old behind who yeah. just saw my parents two months ago doesn't want to have yeah. that conversation, you know? So just know regardless of what age it is, it can be eleven, it can be forty, it can be older, that it's still anxiety riddled, it's still not comfortable and Sometimes they just need you to be
0: there, right? And just yeah. be the the quiet support um, yeah. of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, and you're you're right. You know, saying I know, or I think another one, another one that a lot of us, um, sadly, and I think it's well intentioned, sad, but it's not mm-hmm. helpful. Um, is oh, I understand. It's like, yeah, you probably don't, you know. Not really. Um, Not,
1: you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, right. but, you know, and it it's born of the desire to to kind of share personal experience. It's born of a, a desire to make kind of more um, comparative stories, you know, to show that you right. experience something similar. You know, and, you know, I'm female, you know, I'm a woman, so people will say, oh, well, I understand. And every woman's like, no, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Are you serious? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm black. And so you see a lot of that when you're talking about issues of race. And so you're like, no, no, you don't understand. Just, just Sometimes it's better to just listen, to just be quiet and to just, you know, listen to people and it's hard to do because we all want to make those comparisons you know i'm certainly sure. not immune to it by any stretch of the imagination right and so i i do understand it and it is you know born of a good place but it also removes the focus from them and puts it
0: back on you which is not where mm-hmm.
1: the focus needs to be
0: right and yeah. i think even if you know um a long time ago well let's see it was. 2001, we um, had a pregnancy that ended at 19 weeks. And so um, I had a, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. But
0: I had a lot of women at my work who were all very well-intentioned, but they Mm -hmm. were all like, so when I had my first miscarriage and I was like, oh, you know, I I don't even want your story. And instead of simply saying, um, I'm so sorry, that sucks, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say for that particular thing, if you ever want to vent,
1: Mm -hmm. I'm here, right, but instead
0: it's, well, when I had my first miscarriage, and I know it's intended as you're not alone, right, Right. but that's not really what I needed, and so I think anybody going through this, the best thing is, what do you need, like you're saying, what can I do for you, what do you need, and let's have coffee, you know, or a drink, whatever, you know. Um, I think, and I think all of us are really bad at listening sometimes because it's that want, like you're saying, to fix it, and it's not necessarily to change somebody, but to fix their stress. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's hard just to to listen.
1: It is. It is. It's very hard. And what, I mean, we're not really in a culture and a society that values simply – listening to understand versus listening to respond, you know. And oh, yeah. we grow up very much in a debate culture where mm-hmm. somebody is talking and all you're doing is preparing your next talking point without really okay. listening to what they have to say. And unfortunately, I, I do think it kind of permeates the rest of our lives. It permeates our interpersonal relationships, our communications with our friends and our families and our loved ones. And it's consciously listening to understand and to be an ear is something that you Mm -hmm. have to work at doing, you know. um, I say as somebody who's still working very hard. At doing that because my tendency, my critique partners will tell you this, um, is to automatically want to fix things, you know. And sometimes mm-hmm. I have to step back and be like, "Are you asking for advice, or do you just need
0: someone to listen?" You know. I, you know and, what? The first time I said that to someone, <laughs> they they were like, "Wait, you're not going to say anything?" I'm like, "No. Are you are you venting? Are you are you wanting a response?" And <laughs> right. man, that changed the conversation totally.
1: Big time. Huge, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a huge shift because people, even when talking, gear themselves up for a certain type of response, you know, mm-hmm. and when it's not forthcoming because, you know, trying to be conscious of that might not be what you want or what you need or what's most helpful to you right now, then it really shifts their entire perspective. For a lot of people, I've found it makes them more comfortable you know, like they can relax and really get into the nitty-gritty. I'm a divorce attorney, so nobody comes to see me because they're happy. Like, they sometimes just (laughs) need to vent to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to push them towards therapy because they cost less than I do, but, you know, sometimes they just need to, like, get their whole story out. And what they need me to do before I be the attorney is to be the ear, you know, and, yeah. so, and to be kind of a confidant, and it's good because it's protected by attorney client privilege. So you can tell me anything you want, and I'm not going to say a word, but you right, know, they just right, <laughs> you know, and, but they sometimes just need that. And so I've, I've gotten better about just letting people go and knowing that it's I'm not questioning your judgment, I'm not questioning your decisions. At this stage in the process, I'll do that a lot later, but, you know, right now, I'm just going to let you go and let you talk, you know, and I think people need to right. do more of that. I think that's huge in our society, for people to just talk less, listen more.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, a little <laughs> Hamilton quote there. I love it. Um, exactly. <laughs> we have two minutes, about two minutes left, so tell me okay. real fast, what is your next story and when should we expect it? Next story
1: is the second in the series, which is Andre, and that comes out okay. July 13th, and it is exciting. I'm in edits for it right now, and it is whipping itself into shape, and I am super excited for it.
0: <laughs> Woohoo. I know. That's yeah. exciting. I mean, it's, it's always the second in a series. Gonna, is just so oh fun. Oh, my God.
1: It's so much fun, and it's so nerve-wracking <laughs> because yes. you want it to be good you you I want people to love it as much as they love Jeremiah okay it is not interracial there are two black protagonists in this book um and there's a little bit of an age gap mixed with a one-night stand mixed with the forced proximity thing going on and so it's a lot of fun
0: (laughs) wow so it, yeah. it's um, coming out, so July 13th. So 13th. we have been talking, to, and I, I have a feeling I could talk to you for a very, very long time. Um, yes, And so absolutely. Next, time we see, <laughs> next time we see each other, we must sit down and, and talk some more. I would love that. Absolutely. Um, so absolutely. I, <laughs> you've been listening to yeah. J.C. Ellis. She is the author of the newest book, Jeremiah, out right now for Karina Press. You can get it on Amazon. A link for that is in the show. And you can find her on Facebook, Twitter, allauthor.com, and Amazon. And also check out Smexy Books, and I will have the link in there, because she did a lovely um, article, a guest post, on the 6th of this month about um, basically writing a character's coming out. So it yeah. was a really lovely, lovely article. Thank you for writing that. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. And I. <laughs> absolutely so if you come back please come back in July and tell us more about Albright. I will absolutely,
1: absolutely. sounds like a
0: <laughs> plan absolutely and so this has been Readers Entertainment Radio with Patricia W. Fisher and J.C. Ellis and all of the ways you can find her will be in the write up of the show and don't hesitate to go out and get Jeremiah now thank you so much Ms. J.C. we will talk thank to you very soon you. <laughs> thank you Absolutely. this show you brought too. to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.